everyone. Welcome to you. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor, and I'm assuming that I am looking at the survivors. Uh, Everybody you know, everybody I know, this is the Sunday after Christmas, if you're uh, following us on uh, video or audio podcast, Sunday after Christmas, and everybody we all know is sick. There is a nuclear stomach bug going around. Uh, There is the worst flu in years going around. Ebola is out there. And and you guys are here, which means you have the strongest immune systems in the entire world. If the zombie apocalypse ever happens, I want you people with me. Uh, You are the tough survivors. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Let's take advantage of this Sunday between Christmas and New Year's to look back at Christmas and what Christ has done by coming into the world, but also forward into the new year and what he would have for us. Matthew chapter 5 is is our text. It's bad here, but it's always bad down in Portland, you know, and a couple of nights ago, Christmas week, two guys had to work in a factory down there, and uh, they they were pretty bummed about that. They were kind of complaining to each other, you know, can't believe that we have to work, everybody else is home with their families, uh, they were maintenance guys, and they just had to do some work there in the factory. So one of the guys said, you know what, I think I figured out a way to get let out of here. And his buddy said, how are you going to do that? So you just watch me. So uh, he cl- climbed up the wall and then went across the rafters, and he hung from his legs from the ceiling, just was hanging there, and the boss walked by. The boss said, Pete, what are you doing up there? Pete said, I'm the light fixture. I'm shining over this whole factory. Boss said, Pete, you're crazy. Listen, you need some time off. Come on down there and you go home. <laughs> Pete came down and started going home. His buddy started going right behind him. Second guy went right behind him. Boss said, hey, where are you going? Boy said, I'm going home. Can't work without no light. <laughs> Moral of the story, you are light for somebody. You are light for somebody. It's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Let's start in verse 14. This is the very beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to his followers. Talking to his followers, and this is what he says. I'm going to start in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, there's a little bit of a puzzle in in, in this, in, in the simple fact that Jesus says, You are the light of the world. That's kind of interesting. You are the light of the world. Go forward to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1 with me. Let's let's open our Bibles and turn and uh, pay attention to Scripture with me. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is kind of an interesting telling of the Christmas story. This is Jesus coming into the world. And notice the way John describes Jesus in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. I'll start with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Who are we talking about? Jesus. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought, say the word, light. His life brought light 
to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So who is the light? Jesus is the light. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. John was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the, say the words, true light, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So who is the light? Jesus is the light, absolutely. He is the true light. John was not the light. He was a witness to the light. He was supposed to point others to the light. Now keep going. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Jesus heals a man born blind in this particular passage Gospel of John is full of these I am sayings of Jesus. Jesus will say, I am the bread of life. I am, in this case, the light of the world. Notice what he says in John chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus speaking. He says this, while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, while I am here in the world... I am the light of the world. Now, back to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Do you see the issue here? Who is the light? Jesus is the light. But Jesus says, who is the light? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, how do you solve that discrepancy? How do you explain that? Is Jesus the light or are we the light? Both, both. How is it both? He is the true light. He's the true light. And just like John the baptizer, I am not the light, but I am a witness to the light. I am called to reflect his light. So understand, Jesus is the light. It is Jesus' life that brings light to everyone. Light was coming into the world, and the darkness has never overcome it. Do you understand? Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus himself said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But once Jesus has gone back to the Father, that leaves us. We are the light of the world. This is what Jesus says to his followers. We as Christians, we are supposed to reflect. Jesus' light in the world. Very, very simply, that's what your life is about. This is what everything you say and everything you do ought to be accomplishing. You should be reflecting Jesus' light into the world. Pretty simple. One day in the inner city, a man came upon a little boy in a hoodie, and he was standing out with this broken piece of mirror out in front of this big apartment building. And the boy was holding the mirror down, and he was sort of, sort of shining the light up into a window, just like that. And, and it was strange to see. And actually, the guy who walked up on him was kind of nervous. He, he figured it was some sort of maybe a, a signal for gangs or maybe some sort of drug deal signal, something. But this boy was down there flashing this light up into a, into a window. And so the man said, boy, what are you doing? You know, tried to, to, try to make him stop, tried to figure out if he was causing trouble. The little boy said, um, I'm not doing anything, said uh, um, th- that window up there, m- my grandma lives up there. The man said, so, so what are you doing? Get on out of here. He said, no, you don't understand. My grandma's crippled, and she never leaves that room. And the only sunlight she ever sees is a sunlight that I can shine up there to her. You understand? You are light for somebody. 
Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You and I together, we are light in the world. And the only light, the only light from Jesus that some people might ever see is going to be the light shining from your life. Now, if you go back to the text, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says that you're the light of the world, but, but then it's sort of two different types of light, two different ways that our lives can shine. Do you see that? Let's read it again. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. The so verse 14, back up. What's the first kind of light? How are we light? We're like a, like a city on a hill. The first kind of light, he says that you are like a city on a hill. Now, how can I possibly be like a city on a hill? Now, I know that Woodburn, we're mostly country folks, and nobody has ever looked out at night and been dazzled by the lights of Woodburn. We've only got like, what, maybe 12, 12 street lights? We'd have 13, but Don Harris refuses to pay city taxes, so he won't let them move the, 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 the city limits one inch closer to his house. He could have a streetlight, people, but he won't. He won't pay taxes. So, so therefore, the city limits of Woodburn end right there, and so uh, th- there's one less street lamp anyway. There just aren't a lot of lights in, in Woodburn. The, the Woodburn is obviously not kind of the city on a hill because you can't see us from any place. So we're talking about a different kind of city, a different kind of image here. We're talking about, just picture New York City or Philadelphia or Atlanta, a city all lit up at night. And this is what Jesus says that one way or another, we're like that. A city on a hill with lights blinding, shining brilliantly in in the darkness, and you can see it for miles and miles and miles in the dark. Now, how am I like that? How is my life? How is your life like that? Because honestly, I don't really think that my life is that big. I don't think that the light I'm shining is that brilliant. I am not like Philadelphia at night. So how could any one of us be like a city on a hill? Okay, stop and think about it. What is that city at night? When you see that city burning bright in the distance, what are you seeing actually? You're actually seeing lots of little lights all in one place. You understand? It's not that the city itself is one big burning light. It's just all kinds of lights. Lights from different houses and apartment buildings and, 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 and street lights and, and store lights and, and, and the McDonald's golden arches and, and, and the headlights of cars. It's just a lot of little lights, but they're all in one place. And because they're drawn together and because they are combining their light together, it becomes this brilliant city shining on a hill. Okay, so what's the sermon there? You tell me. What's the sermon there? How am I going to be a city on a hill? Yeah, the church, only when we all come together, we are just more or less little lights reflecting back the light of Christ. And I myself can't do a whole lot, but when you combine the light reflected from my life with the light reflected from your life, we become like a city on a hill. Do you see that? When you put all of our lives together, all of us brought together as the church, then the church itself becomes a city on a hill. 
Now, let me just say this, and I love Woodburn Baptist Church with my whole heart, and I've been a part of Woodburn Baptist Church for the biggest part of my life, but understand, I also live in Woodburn, and I know our community, and I know our churches work in the community, and and let me just say, the city of Woodburn is still waiting for Woodburn Baptist Church to turn the lights on. You understand? I say that Woodburn is not a town that, that, that's ever impressed anybody in the dark. I mean, but Woodburn Baptist Church ought to be like a city on a hill around here. When you put the light of my life next to the light of your life and you combine all of us together, we should be illuminating this community. And I'm not sure we always do that. I think the city of Woodburn is still waiting for some light to shine out of this place. It doesn't happen just because we come to church here. They see our cars in the parking lot. They're waiting on seeing one of us show up on their doorstep to help them. You understand? You see, the world is waiting for the church to begin to shine like a city on a hill in the darkness. Jesus says, you're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Verse 15. No one lights a lamp. Now, Jesus switched the image there. You see that? He was talking about a city on a hill, and now what do we have? Yeah, a lamp, sort of the lamp, like the lamp that sits beside your bed. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, I said, Jesus is, is giving us two different ways that our, our, our lights, our lives shine with, with the light from him. The first way is all together like a city on a hill. But now we're talking about just a lamp, one single light. Now, how is one single light important? When is one single light important? When you need it. One light typically gives enough light for one person or maybe the people in that immediate vicinity. But but this is the point. Now, one single light, like, like a lamp that you would put on the table, this gives light just for those nearby. And it's very, very important. Now, most of us, when you think about being light, we want to be like stars. I want to be a supernova shining in the sky. I mean, this is how we think of ourselves. We want to be something important, something magnificent, like, like a star shining off in, in the sky. But, but nobody's ever read a book by starlight. Understand? Nobody's ever found the path at night by starlight. The stars are bright and brilliant, but they're just too far away. Jesus is talking here about a lamp sitting on a table beside you, giving light for what you need, light that you can actually use. So now we're not talking about a star far away or a city far away in a hill. We're talking about a life in proximity to yours that provides enough light for your journey. Have you ever known people like that? I'd say if we could stop right now and have an old-fashioned testimony service, that's exactly the kind of stories we could tell. I could tell you the stories of the people I've known, the people that I've been close to, whose lives just shone with the light of Christ. And the light of their lives provided, provided light for my path. The light of their lives helped me to understand how I'm supposed to live. They were like a lamp sitting on the table beside me, giving illumination to to my own life, my, my own self. Do you understand? 
The, the light of your life is most important to those in proximity to you, your family, your neighbors, the people you work with, the ones you go to school with. Now, nobody lights a lamp, Jesus says, and then hides it, puts a bushel basket over it, th- throws a towel over it. Nobody does that because lights are for shining. A, a, a light is for shining. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. How are you like light? Two ways, I think. I I think the first is by what you do. This is what Jesus says. Let your good deeds shine. Now, let's be perfectly clear. Nobody becomes a Christian. Nobody is saved. Nobody comes into right relationship with God by doing good deeds. This is very, very difficult for me to communicate to good people like you. But because inevitably we begin thinking that God loves us or that we're special because we're good people, because we're good neighbors, and you are good neighbors. Truly, this church is made up of some of the very best people I've ever known in my life. You're good people. But you do not have favor with God because of your goodness. And you cannot possibly earn your way to heaven by just doing good things. So Jesus isn't talking about that. He's not saying do good things so that you can go to heaven. That is not the plan of salvation. You can't possibly be so good to earn your way to heaven. You are a sinner just like I am a sinner. And Jesus died to save and forgive our sins. You know that, right? And so when Jesus says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, he's not saying that that this is how you become a Christian. He's talking to people who already are his followers, people who've already put their faith and trust, already begin to take up their cross and follow him. So you see, we're not talking about how you become a Christian here, but we are talking about what the Christian life looks like. And you have to recognize that as believers, as people who are following after Jesus, our lives look different. They should. Your life should look drastically different, as different as night and day from the world around you. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. There ought to be a difference in the way you live. And we're talking about your deeds here. We're talking about your life, your behavior. There needs to be a difference that the world will see. And unfortunately, in our lives, often, there's just not much difference. Man, I hate to tell you all this, but I'm just going to tell you this. I I was at a Christmas party this, what, past two weeks or so, and and I met a guy that I didn't know, but he works in a place where a lot of our church people work. So just to make conversation, we're just kind of going through the list. I'd say, hey, do you know so-and-so? He'd say, yeah, I know that person. I know her. I know him. And man, she's great, man. He's great. We're talking about people that, of course, go to church with me, but go to work with him. And so we were going through the list. You know so-and-so? Yeah, I know her. She's great. She's wonderful. And then I said, do you know so-and-so? He quit talking to me. He started eating off his plate really nervously. And I got the idea, he does not want to talk about that person. Everybody else says, yes, he's great. Oh, you know him. Oh, he's wonderful. But when I mention this other person's name, 
It got awkward. That interesting? It just makes me wonder, how does that person know you? You understand? That person at work? Obviously, when we got to that person, it was different, man. He didn't have anything good to say. And it just makes me start to wonder, is the person I know at church the same person that they all know at work? Because I, I got the idea that's not the case. It ought not be. You understand? The, the normal Christian life is not a life where you are one person at church and then another person somewhere else. It's not the kind of thing where you act one way with your church friends and another way with your school friends. It's not the kind of thing where you have one vocabulary for Sunday school class and another vocabulary for the golf course. You understand? You're not supposed to have to sort of pay attention to who you're with and then decide how you're going to act. Jesus says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. You should be the same person day or night, wherever we find you, whoever is with you. You're supposed to be shining the light of Christ everywhere you go. What is wrong with you? You understand what is it about you that makes you so willing to sort of flick that light on and off depending on who you're with or how you're feeling at the moment? That's not the ordinary Christian life. There's something spiritually profoundly wrong with you if you're not the same person tomorrow at work that you are today here at church. Let your light shine before men, Jesus says. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Is that going to happen? Let me just ask those of you who've actually tried to shine the light of Jesus in a factory or or at at a public school. Does it work this way? When you live for Jesus, does the whole world just praise your heavenly Father? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now they could and they should, and that's the point. You should still be shining the light. But in the same way that when Jesus, as the light, came into the world and the darkness did not overcome, the darkness did not necessarily recognize, the darkness did not yield to the light, you understand? They they rejected and crucified Jesus. So when you go shining his light into the world, you shouldn't necessarily expect everybody to stand up and applaud. It's the very tendency of, of light. It exposes darkness. It exposes the things that live in the dark. I'm assuming by now you've seen some of those crime scene shows like the old CSI or any of the other crime scene shows where they they walk into a place and they shine the black light. Yeah, who knew black lights could show up so much grossness? You you understand? But you shine the black light and you start seeing what you couldn't see otherwise. Well, guess who has discovered the power of the black light? Carpet cleaning salesmen. Carpet cleaning salesmen have finally discovered that a black light is one of the most powerful sales techniques they have, especially with pet owners. Now, you got this little kitten, and you think that this little cat is just just a perfect cat. This cat is so loyal and obedient to you. This cat will always go in the litter box. This cat is trained. This dog that lives in your house or the 20 dogs that live in your house... They are good animals. They are loyal, and they always come and wag their tail when they need to go outside, and you're convinced your dog would never pee in the house. Well, let's just break out the black light. 
That's what the carpet cleaning salesman will do now. If you let him in your house and he sees that you have a dog, he wants to turn on the black light. You want to know why? Because your dog only goes out about maybe a third of the time. You turn on a black light in a house that has pets, you will see droplets and driplets everywhere. Seriously. They say that you'll see it on the walls. You'll see it on your lampshades, on your drapes. Turn on a black light in the typical house, and most people are screaming, turn it off, turn it off. I can't stand to live here. I'm moving. You wouldn't be able to stand the side of your house under black light. You would sign up to have every rug cleaned, all the drapes, your furniture, your husband. I mean, you would have the whole place scrubbed down. You would demand a change, and that's the point. That's the point of the carpet cleaner, and that's the point of the light of Christ shining in the world. It is expected to expose the darkness. It is expected and intended to expose the filth of our lives. That's what the light of Jesus does. And when you're reflecting Jesus's light, it's not that you judge people because you won't. Jesus says, don't judge. I'm not the judge either, but there's just something about the person who lives right in the world. The person who cannot be compromised, the person who will not gossip, the person who will not laugh at the dirty jokes, the person who just will not let filth come out of his mouth, the person who will not cheat on his wife, the person who just will not lie, cheat, steal. Do you understand? There's a difference every time reflected from the lives of those people, but it often just exposes the way other people live, and they're probably not going to like that. They're either going to have to change or continue to live in their sin, and change is very, very difficult, and most people don't want to change. So you understand, it says, let your good deeds shine before others so that they will be able to praise your Father in heaven. I'm saying they should be able to praise your Father in heaven. They should be able to connect the dots of your life back to the light shining from Christ. But but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to win you a lot of friends. I I just want to be clear about that. Darkness doesn't always appreciate the, the light coming on bright. But your life should shine brightly. Not just in what, you, in what you do, but I would also add by what you say. By what you say. In the same way, let your good deeds, let your light shine before others so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The bottom line is, is that God needs to receive glory and praise from your life. He, He can't do that if you're living like the world, if you're living like hell. Do you understand? God can't be glorified by that. But but in the same way, I'm not sure God can be glorified in your life if you never say his name. And many of us in our lives, even though we're really, really good people, we never say the name of Jesus. We never, ever explain to people what it is that makes us different, what it is that allows us to shine like a candle in the darkness. We, we never say the Lord's name. And if you never, ever speak his name, I'm not sure that people will be able to glorify him because of you. Why are you so afraid? There was a businessman recently who 
gave his life to Christ in a marvelous and glorious way uh, in a home group Bible study. He'd never really gone to church, and he'd always been a little suspicious of church people. But he got involved with a men's group in a house during the week, and he started studying the Bible with, with, with other men, and, and he, he became miraculously and gloriously saved. It, it, beautiful, beautiful. So, so the very next Sunday, he, he went to a church. And again, I'm reminding you that this is a businessman who, who had been in the community for years and years and years, but, but never really stepped into church. And, and he stepped into church this Sunday. And it, it was pretty amazing. As it turns out, he saw a familiar face. He wasn't exactly sure, uh, exactly sure the man's name, but, but he realized that the man stood up to give a prayer in, in the service. And he looked, and that man was listed as the deacon of the week. Deacon of the week. And this was a man that he'd actually done business with for a number of years. So after the service, the, the new believer went up to the deacon and, and said, listen, I'm so-and-so. You and I have met several times with business. I've actually admired you and respected you for, for, for years. I, I didn't really realize you went to this church. And the deacon said, yes, I've, I've been in this church all of my life. The man said, well, that's, that's amazing. That's interesting. You know, I, I've never been to church until today. My whole life, I, I, I've never been a believer. But just this past week, uh, I gave my heart to Christ at, at a Bible study. And this is really my first Sunday here. The deacon of the week said, that's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for you. That, that's amazing. That's great. So then the businessman, the new Christian said, well, well, well listen, you've gone to this church your whole life. Deacon said, yes, I, yes, I have. He said, how long have you been a believer? He said, well, actually, I got saved when I was 12 years old. I've been a Christian since I was 12 years old. So the man said, well, how long have, how long have you and I done business together? They counted up. It was about 24 years, about 24 years. The new believer said, you know, in 24 years, You've never said anything about Jesus to me. 24 years, you've never mentioned Jesus to me. He said, as a matter of fact, I have often told myself that if a man like you could be so good and not be a Christian, then I didn't need to be a Christian either. He told himself, if a man like you could be so good and not be a Christian, I don't need to be a Christian either. You understand what happens when you live your life and never, ever say the name of Jesus to a living soul? Then others can't give God the praise and glory for your life. Jesus says, let your light so shine before people that, that, that they will be able to give praise to your heavenly Father. I think they'll give him praise if you never, ever say his name. So understand, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You and I together, but also you and I separately in all the places we go. We're like a little piece of broken mirror that, that reflects the light of Jesus into the darkest corners of the world. That, that, that's what we are. Your life is a light by what you do and by what you say. Jesus says, since your life is a light, 
You need to let it shine. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we recognize that at Christmas, light came into the world in the darkness. Jesus, we thank you for coming into our lives and shining your light into the darkness of our hearts so that today we we know what it means to be forgiven. We know what it is to have salvation and life and the promise of heaven and your Holy Spirit to give us strength and joy and peace. We have this light shining in our lives, Lord. The problem is the light doesn't always shine out of our lives and through our lives. Lord, we just sort of live our lives in the world as if other people don't matter, as if the light of Jesus doesn't matter. Lord, we are concerned because we sometimes Stop and wonder if by our works, if by our good deeds, people would know that we belong to you. We wonder that if they simply listen to the soundtrack of our lives, the the audio, the words coming out of our lips, we wonder if they would think that those words reflect the light of you, O Christ. And it seems that on many, many days, our lives are as dark as anybody else's. God, help us. This church is situated in in, in a very, very small community, Lord. There are easily three times more people in this church than there are in this town. And yet somehow all 600 of us together have really never managed to reach this town for the name of Jesus. We've not managed to shine enough light so that they can see your light on Clark Street in Woodburn. God, help us. The, the, The single moms in Woodburn, the poverty... The, the, the children, Lord, who continue to live without Jesus, Lord. I, I pray that before it's too late for our neighbors that this church will turn the light on and shine. For that matter, Lord, before it's too late for our families, I pray that the light of our own lives will shine. Let your light shine through what we do, Lord Jesus. Make us generous and, and make us sacrificially loving, Jesus, I pray that we will be patient and kind and joyful. Pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be gentle. And Lord Jesus, I pray that your light would shine by the words we use. I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraging and positive and always, always speaking the truth in love. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the way we curse and the way we gripe and the way we complain and the way we gossip and the way we bend the truth. Lord, forgive us for just speaking and talking and joking about things that have so little significance and we never, ever manage to say the name of Jesus. It is a desperately dark world. And in this room, there is light enough to change the world if only we would let the light of our lives shine. So, Lord Jesus, you who are the true light, shine on us, shine in us, and shine through us that the world will know, that those closest to us will know. Lord Jesus, shine through us in such a way where our lives will be different, different for the sake of Jesus.